consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens of God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. We're no longer strangers or aliens, but we are fellow citizens. And as fellow citizens in the kingdom of God. The reminder that goes along with it is as citizens of, in the fleshy realm, as citizens of the United States, do we have obligations towards one another? We do. Well, I'm glad to hear that. We do. Uh, there's reminders to us, I mean, in any realm that we can look at, there, there are obligations, responsibilities, or there are restrictions. Yes, <laughs> Don't go above the speed limit. <laughs> okay. Again, We've mentioned, or I've mentioned, that times, I mean, in our country, it seems like we have a, uh, an increasing amount of individuals who believe that they have freedoms as individuals to do exactly what they want, when they want it, and regardless of how any, anyone else views it, and they insist on their rights. Uh, you know, they... You know, if they go above the speed limit, they don't like that policeman stopping them to, to tell them that they've gone above the speed limit. And spiritually, it's in there as well. There's obligations and responsibilities. It's seen, uh, particularly, if you will, in Romans 14 and 15. Uh, you have to read those two chapters later. But And there he, he's talking about obligations of the weak and the strong and the, the challenge that is there of uh, being careful about the weak imposing their limitations upon the strong and the strong being careful about imposing their, their strength upon the weak. You know, I, I have the freedom to do that, but no, how does it affect uh, my brother or my sister in Christ? So the fellow citizens is that reminder to us that we have that obligation and responsibility along the way. Again, it's the citizenship of, of heaven, which changes or gives a different perspective on it, does it not? What type of citizenship is that? Pardon? It's a holy citizenship. Very good. It's a holy citizenship, which impacts the whole life, does it not? Of what we do and how we do it and how we, we strive towards one another. And again, from the scriptures, we learn that we can achieve that and have no problem with it. It goes back to Romans 14 and 15, uh, of the reminders of this obligation that we have of working with each other and being careful of the, the life that we live. Uh, we got a reminder over in Romans 2 and verse 11, one place, and it works out in other places as well, how is God looking at us? Does he show favoritism? He's impartial. There's no partiality. Do we have different capabilities? 
Uh, and again, we've looked before at that. Do we have different rates of maturity or understanding? And how does God see each one of us as individuals? sees us collectively too but in the body, but he sees us as individuals and the obligations that we have. And we get to be reminded of that, and again, at times we fall short and need to come. That's why we have the opportunities to go back over scriptures to, to look at these and see what it is that God has designed. Uh, the, the different talents, capabilities, uh, strengths, weaknesses, and uh, obligations that we have towards one another, uh, being reminded of that along the way. One is, again, because we represent who? We represent Christ and, and that desire to, to do what it is. Catches every once in a while, I mean, in the physical world, as, even as Christians, it's been years ago, and I won't say how many years ago, long before Branson became Branson, that you know it as of it today, and... Uh, uh, Dogwood and wherever else was there. Anyway, we had, when we were in school, we had gone up there with some friends and we were uh, going to the, the amusement park there. And we were walking around and this couple came up to us and says, talked to my wife and said, it's good to see you. Where's your mom and dad at? <laughs> they lived in Belleville and across St. Louis we were living in Arkansas. We met in, uh, going to school, and we met up there uh, in Branson. And he said, and yet they were there doing the same thing. And it was just, again, just saying you never know who you run into, who knows each other somewhere along the line that you come across those th- situations. And so it's always good to do what? It's always good to do right. <laughs> do the right thing. And we, again, we get to work with that in, in our life. But we're fellow citizens. And then he has several of them out of Ephesians 3 and verse 6. We're all made citizens the same way? Right. Good point. And we're all made citizens the same way. There's no differences as might be in the physical realm. So we all got the same obligations, uh, the same guidelines, the same help along the way. And that's what we need to be mindful of. Uh, out of Ephesians 3, 6. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. Okay. And again, that goes on with what uh, Paul had just mentioned. Gentiles and Jews, difference? We're not, we're not in God's eyes yet. We're just talking about Jews and Gentiles because in God's eyes, then we're just Christians. But is there a difference between the Jew and the Gentile in the physical realm? Yes, there is. Yes, there is, and there was a tremendous difference. But that which was... that which united us was, again, the blood of Christ. So that in Christ, 
Did the Jew have the advantage over the Gentile in Christ? No. Uh, they got to struggle with that at times, working with it. But again, they, they came Christians the same way. Then they became fellow heirs. Heirs of what? Eternal life. Uh, and, you know, that desire that goes along with it. Uh, mentioned in coming up the road to, uh, this evening, there was one of those billboard signs up by the church building that says, what will it be like when Christ comes again? And I'm thinking, when he comes again, it's over. Oh, well, whatever he's supposed to come. And uh, in a, in a couple of weeks before that, they had to sign up, what will we be wearing in, in heaven? Uh, as if, you know, it's reminding us, we, we, the saying, we've still got the flesh we get to work with. And ours is reminding ourselves we're heirs of heaven. We're joint heirs. The division down here is gone. And it's hard sometimes for us to work with that. Uh, We struggle with it. And again, of all people, it ought to be Christians that have that united spirit. And it shows that, that unity that should be among all of God's people. To know that's who, what we are, fellow members of the body. And again, 1 Corinthians 12 deals with that quite a bit, uh, of saying how we have different members all in one body, all contributing their part, and all placed there, and again, out of uh, verse 18 in 1 Corinthians 12, God placing us in the body as it, excuse me, as it pleased him. And uh, again, how do we work that out? The individual members in this one body, each being placed where they are by God. Well, everybody has talents. Everybody has talents. And has abilities. And that ability, whether it's doing one thing or another, someone else is going to have a talent or another area that blends together to make that the overall work. To make the overall work together. That's how we work together. One plants, another waters. God gives increase. It, 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 it is. And that's, I mean, that's the beauty of it. Uh, the one who plants is nothing. The one who waters is nothing. It's God who gives the increase. And, it's, it's a, and again, out of 1 Corinthians 12, he, again, he says, Can the eye say, I have no need of the hand? Uh, you know, and it's, uh, it's that's a, a interesting, it's an amusing chapter kind of look through, to read. I mean, can you picture a gigantic eyeball rolling down the road and saying, listen, I have no need of the hand. Uh, it, it doesn't work that way. And we may not know, but God knows God places us in the body, and we all have individual talents that we contribute to that overall working. And then from the, the uh, parable of the talents, can that change over a period of time? 
If you use what you have, more is going to be given to you. So it doesn't change. But it's still understanding the, the inner working and the trusting or the using of each other. Uh, one cannot say, I have no need of you. Nor can a member of the body say, listen, because I'm not the I, I'm not part of the body. That doesn't work either. If you if can go back, we've all been added by the same way or become a part of the body of Christ the same way. And we're all part of his body. And we each have a function and the talent to do. And again, it's recognizing that along the way. It's Sometimes we get into it because, again, 1 Corinthians 12, some parts of the body seem to have more glory than the others, do they not? Yeah, and it is hard for us to remind her that each part is, is necessary. Each part is important. And uh, if you use the illustration, though, that as in the physical body, it, it's to be in the spiritual body. That, you know, if you tell a wide receiver he's got a great pair of hands, you know, where does the glory go? If a receiver is told he's got a great pair of hands, goes through his head, yeah, goes through his head. Uh, the hands don't swell up and say, ooh, I'm grateful for what I'm able to do. The glory goes to the head. Spiritually, it's the same way. Whatever we do that is good and beneficial to the kingdom, the glory goes to God, who's the head. And if we can remember that, then it goes along the way. You know, could the hands do the job if the feet didn't do their job? <laughs> you know, it, it, they all have to work together. And again, who coordinates all of that spiritually? God does. Do you trust him? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Got the should in there. <laughs> Sometimes we, you know, uh, a little hesitant on that. Uh, but it's trusting God. Again, you're given the, fil- the illustration of the physical body. Whatever age we are, whatever uh, period of development we are, <clears throat> there are things that are above us that we are intimidated by, hesitant to try. It doesn't matter what age or where we're on that straight up on the uh, growth of maturity. But what does the physical body have to do? Work together, but you've got to keep trying. You've got to keep moving. You've got to believe you can do more than what you're doing right now. Uh, otherwise, we wouldn't get anything done. We would have stopped somewhere down the line. Uh, and it doesn't work. And it, it's trying to, again, to see being these, these fellow members of the body, that we want the glory to go to God. And what we have in Christ is what the world seeks for, is that oneness. Uh, <clears throat> goes back to how we've become citizens of this country. Uh, <clears throat> we say it does not matter how they become a citizen of this country. But do we have that unity? No, it's not there. Uh, we legislate unity. We legislate equality, if you will. Passing the laws have made all of us equal. Uh, without a doubt, women get equal pay as do men because they've made laws. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, no, 
All of that that the world is seeking for is found really in Christ, that equality. It doesn't matter where you were born. In Christ, you're, you're a child of God. It doesn't matter whether you're male or female. In Christ, you're a child of God. It doesn't matter the talents that you have. You're a child of God. In fact, back to 1 Corinthians 12, even the unseeming members of the body have more glory with God. Uh, so it's are than practicing that. What's the problem we have at times? With obtaining that unity of our working together as, as the body of Christ. We want our own way. Selfishness, want our own way. Want it done the way I want it done, as opposed to the way that God wants it done. And that enters into that, that's what we get to fight against. Uh, Paul in Romans says numerous times, the flesh wages war against the spirit, and the spirit wages war against the flesh, because each one wants to be the dominant one. And we have to re- decide which one we want to be the dominant one. Now, whose choice is that? That's our choice, you know. That's our choice, which one's going to be the dominant one. And that's the challenge we have. Uh, and so we, we get the, and how long do you get to work on that? Every day. For how long? For a year? <laughs> for the rest of your life. It's an ongoing process uh, to keep working at it and to see that over a period of time, to see the growth and the changes that take place and to encourage one another. We're fellow partakers of the promise that's in Christ. What promise? Eternal life. What other promise? Forgiveness of sins. Other promises? Ah, there's one I was looking for. He will never leave us, nor will he ever forsake us. Uh, and the Satan is limited. That is a promise, too. I mean, I'm just saying, there's some tremendous promises. We all, we all share in those? We all share in those. We all have that benefit. We all have that privilege of uh, being partakers of these promises. And reminding ourselves that... Uh, you know, the forgiveness of sins and the promise that goes along with that out of Hebrews 10, 17, and 18. When there is forgiveness of sins, God remembers no more. And then for us at times, for us to remember 18, once a sacrifice has been made for sins, which is what? Now, there's no more sacrifice to be made, but what's the sacrifice for sins? Jesus. Jesus, his blood. That's the sacrifice for sins. Once that's been made, there's not another offering to be made. Uh, sometimes we browbeat ourselves. I just can't get over that. I just can't forget that. I can't get, get beyond that. The sacrifice has already, already been made, and it is sufficient. Once you repented of it, God has forgiven you, and it's not held against you again. There's our hope. But as human beings, what do we do? We keep them. Not only do we keep them, what else do we do? Keep yours too. <laughs> so it's, 
it's working. I'm just trying to get us to see it's realizing what we have in Christ. And what a blessing it is uh, for us to have these privileges in Christ through, through that gospel, that good news. And that's the reminder to us of uh, what it is. It's good news. And th- that's what we need to be, because the reality is there. Like, you know, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 6.23, the wages of sin is death. But it's the latter part of the verse that we like. But that gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We need those reminders. That's why it's good news. And we live in a world that struggles with that. And it's hard for them to really catch a, a, a grasp of that, of gospel or the gospel of Jesus Christ being good news. And it be what you, should unite us along the way. But we share in that. We're fellow partakers. Philippians 2.25. Yeah, I considered it necessary to send to you Epirotus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but you, messenger, and the one who ministered to my needs. Okay, a fellow worker for the one and a fellow soldier for, for the other. Fellow workers. Uh, one has already mentioned 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 9. If you will, Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. He who plants is nothing, he who waters is nothing. It's the one God who gives the increase. And I also like John, the Gospel of John chapter 4, verses 34 and following. Thirty-four through thirty-eight. John four thirty-four through thirty-eight. Jesus said to them, "My food is to do the will of Him who sent me, and to finish His work." Do you not say? See the working together? One sows, doesn't say when. And then over a period of time, another's going to reap from that. You're going to sow, and later on, somebody else is going to reap from that. We're fellow laborers, we're fellow workers together. Uh, God has a way of doing it, to do the work that God had sent him to do. And we, if we look in the context of it, well, who do we 
when he says, look upon the field for the white and the harvest, you know what, what the, was going on at that particular time? In John 4, where Jesus has been talking to at the well, the Samaritan woman. What happens after she goes back to the city and brings them with her? There's a multitude coming who are what? <clears throat> Samaritans. Look on the fields. They're already white in the harvest. These Samaritans are coming out to hear. Would the Jews that were listening thought that was the case? <laughs> they wouldn't have thought that was the case at all. That the, that the Samaritans, you know, how long had gone on, how many years have gone by for that division that had taken place for it to reach the point where there's going to be a unity there that they had never even dreamt of what it would be like. Seed had been sown. How do you know the seed had been sown among the Samaritans? The woman at the well. Okay. Yeah, the woman at the well. <laughs> she, she understood something about the, the Messiah coming. Uh, she got that out of, out of scriptures. The Samaritans just used the first five books of the Old Testament uh, as their scriptures. But it talked about the Messiah. So they, they had already had a knowledge of it. Because she said, we know that when the Messiah comes, he's going to tell us all these things. Uh, where do we worship? Now, it was a big debate, was it not? You worship on the mountain where the Samaritans was. You worship in Jerusalem where the, the, the Jews worship. And that's why he got into all that context there in John 4 of working through he gets down there and says, this is the purpose that Jesus came, was to finish the work, the uniting of his people, of people, his people and those that would come out, that would follow, that would obey him. This was the purpose of it. Centuries have gone by before they would see, for those that had sown the seed, they wouldn't see the fulfillment of it. The reminder is to us that that's what we end up doing. We're reaping the benefit. And again, you know, how many lives were involved in bringing you together this evening? How many people were involved in your conversion? And how many were involved in, you know, this a short period of time and working with them to bring them to Christ as well? Uh, it's amazing. To, to see all that inner working. Uh, <clears throat> some of us were privileged to be born and raised here. You know, some of us got here as soon as we could. Whatever else may be the case, but I'm saying, no, you think about it. A lot of us came together because of what? What brought you here to, to the Dallas area? Job. Job. Work, that job, you know, a lot of things took place for that to, to come about. So we're reaping what others have sown. We're sowing what others will reap later on. And ours is to keep being reminded of that. We're fellow workers of God and doing His will. 
and understanding that what we do do is important. And we want to leave that, that good influence on, on the individuals along the way. Being a fellow soldier, what's involved in that? Working together. What type of working together? Fighting. Okay. <laughs> Want to get that in here. We're fighting together. Who are we fighting? The enemy. Which ain't us. But <laughs> it's fighting together. But it's coming together to fight against a common enemy. Satan and his, his angels who are seeking to destroy. There's a, which means there's a battle. <laughs> there's a war being waged. How serious is that war being waged? Um, how serious is that war that is being waged? Very. War for your soul. So it's very important for all of our souls. So it's very important. The seriousness that's involved is not just saying, you know, the different illustrations that God uses throughout the scriptures uh, are to remind us of, again, this different perspectives that we can look at, looking at a things from the same the gospel through different aspects of it, different prisms to see different faucets of it and how it all works together. Soldiers fighting. And again, to, uh, to be able to take up how much of the armor? The whole armor of God. Take it all up. Each, excuse me, each piece has a function. And each one needs to be ready. And as Paul would tell Timothy along that line, <clears throat> no one engages in a warfare at his own experience. If you're in a, as a soldier, what's required of you? Obedience to whom? To the commander. Who's that? God. It's, it's expected, you know, you don't get tangled up in the everyday affairs of life and forget that you are in a battle. You're in a war. And that war is for your soul. And again, you know, the, greater, the greatest target that Satan has is whom? You. <laughs> Us. Uh, he has the world. And he he fight to keep them in the world. He does a good job on that, but he's after our souls. And that's why, again, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 is tremendous of understanding that, that, that warfare that's involved. Sometimes how do we view that warfare? Okay, sometimes we don't take it seriously enough. It's always easy when I know the answer I want and you don't have a clue what I'm talking about <laughs> or which one I'm looking for. Uh, but I'm thinking about David and Goliath. And as you read the account, it's interesting to me uh, and the people going into the land as well, but if you remember, how did the armies of Saul describe themselves? Pardon? 
Yeah, they're like ants. They saw themselves as the army of Israel. How did David see himself in that situation? What was going forth? Goliath. He was a soldier of God, and Goliath had defiled God. Israel, or the, the soldiers, were involved in thinking, we're just people. We're just the army. David said, no. He's the enemy of God. We are the people of God. We're going to defeat him. I'm going to, he's going to be defeated. Uh, the same thing going back, I think, on the other going back to Israel going into the promised land. When they sent the, ten spy, the 12 spies in there. How did they see the 10 spies see it? Yeah. We're like grasshoppers in their sight, so we know we're the grasshoppers in their sight. Uh, forgetting who it is that we serve. No fear. Right, that's the key, yeah. They don't realize, we don't realize how great of a force and power we have on our side to, to, to fight the battle. And again, it's a battle. And why the scriptures remind us, do not become weary in doing well. Uh, we're going to reap it. We faint not. But it, it's the battle. It's reminding ourselves that that's what's involved. And to remember who it is that we're serving. Who it is that the commander. Who it is that, as mentioned, uh, Satan has his limitation. And we've got to be reminded of that. He's great. He has power. Tremendous power. But again, from 1 John 4, 4, God is greater. And we need to be reminded of that. It is a tremendous battle, but we've got to believe God gives the victory. God gives the strength. God has the weapon. You know, Ephesians uh, 6, you know, 10 through 18 again, all the weapons or all the armory that it, the soldiers put on is what God provides. And then the, the offensive weapon, which is the sword, which is what? The Word of God. That's where the power lies. And having that trust in Him. I mentioned it. Right. Making sure is to use it and that we, we're taking care of it and we, you know, yes. Uh, and, and again, it's that reminder that the battle is how long? Until he comes back. So we've const- we got to constantly be involved in that. And it, one can become battle fatigue, but again, where does the strength come from? It comes from God. So we've got to keep trusting that along that line. Can't get, cannot get comfortable and drop our armor either. So it's, uh, again, it's the battle, it's the war, it, it, it's, it's moving forth, it's you know, understanding uh, the, the parts that we are that are 
those who have gone before us, those that will follow us uh, in, in the battle and making the preparations. The battles we win will help them, and then they will have battles that they will face, and that will help others as well. Uh, it's the whole thing being put together that we indeed belong to God. And then fellow servants. What's the job of the servant? To do the do what? To serve. To serve. Okay. <laughs> you catch on quick. <laughs> so, yeah, the battle of the, or the job of the servant is to serve. Is to do the master's will. And again, translations today have modified that a little bit. Oftentimes, the word there can be and has been translated as slave. But because of the connotation that goes with the word slave, we like the word servant. Thinking as a servant, you have more of a chance to make that choice as opposed to that of being the slave. But it simply means ours is to work, realize we're fellow servants. Different task again, different jobs. But ours is to please the master. And ours is not to argue with the master about the task that has been given. You know, why did I get this task? How come you only got that task? You know, I like that task better than this task. God has a task for us to do. And ours is to do it. Why should we be willing to do the task as freely as free will as we can? God did so much for us. He didn't... God has done so much for us. What's he going to ask of you? Nothing more than he's already done, but nothing more than what we can deal with. He knows who we are. And it's one of those things, again, from the physical realm. We see the commercials and in one form or shape on the the news for one, one thing or another. Uh, physically, when somebody's been injured, you learn that somewhere down the line you've got to do what? Re-improvise, and as you, after you improvise, well, live with it, but you, know, you get stronger. We, we need to realize that the strength comes from God. He's not asking of us something that's impossible for us. It just seems like it at the time sometimes. Uh, When we have the men get up to wait on the table or to say a prayer or to read a scripture, uh, I've heard numerous ones of you make that comment, and it's a good thing you can stand behind the podium up there, that way they don't see your knees knocking, and, uh, you know, the, the quiver in your voice and so forth. But God does not ask anything of us that's not possible. As with anything, you have to keep working at it. You've seen those who have been injured. Uh, I had one on the news recently. I just got part of the story. It was a young gal who, uh, when she was a child, lost one of her arms. I don't know how it was. And then rather than seeing herself handicapped, she had gone on. She's done a tremendous amount of things. Um, this saying, it can be done. You know, that doesn't limit me. I can go on and do other things and, and to be able to do those things. Uh, saw the one the other, it's been a week or so ago or more, 
uh, a veteran uh, who had lost both legs and who was running, what was it, 24 marathons in 24 days, a marathon a day on artificial legs. To say, that's not the end of life. I'm just saying, what makes, what makes that possible in the physical realm for us to get up and do things that we couldn't do or didn't think we could do? Determination, but where does that come from? Keep it going. The determination comes from the mind. It's the mindset. Well, that's what I mean. That's you know, that's what you have to have. The mindset it can. Well, that's why I want the mindset of, of us that whatever it is God asks us to do, we can do. It's just that determination to do it, and, and to trust that it can be done. Uh, and the first time you do it, you're going to do it perfectly. Uh, <laughs> doesn't work that way. But we keep doing it. We believe that the end result is worth it, so we keep pressing on. Spiritually, we have to believe the same thing. Whatever task it is, we need to believe it can be done. I know I've had to modify the thing I used to say way down through the years. Part of it's still true, but part of it's not. Uh, I used to make the statement, you know, you, you heard you, people say, I couldn't carry a tune in the bucket. And I said, well, I can't even find the bucket uh, <clears throat> to carry that tune in. Uh, well, God took care of part of that, at least. Uh, I'm willing to try, but the tune is, is still not there. In my mind, I know where the notes go. Do, 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 do. Uh, in my voice, it's da, 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 da. <laughs> it doesn't go up. <laughs> in my mind, it does. <laughs> but it doesn't. I'm saying, but... You do what you can do, and you can always do more than you think you can do. Didn't some of us find that out in the last 12 weeks? <laughs> we can all do more than we think we can do. It's trusting God. I'm a servant of His. Oh, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Uh, <clears throat> that's, well, that's where it comes from, of our being reminded of that. Um, and that works along, you know, it, it's, we get to we struggle with it. I've got that, uh, get down, uh, Matthew twenty five fifteen, in the parable of the talents. God gave to each one according to their, their ability. They used what they had, it multiplied and so forth, but he gave according to their ability. God gives, does the giving. Do we trust him? And uh, another one is sometimes we're not careful. We end up like in Matthew 20, 1 through 16, the laborers in the vineyard. The laborer, the, the owner went out and hired some laborers to work in the vineyard at the early hour of the morning. And they agreed on the wage. And they went out and worked in the vineyard. And each hour he went back and he found more workers to go out in the vineyard. He said, I'll pay you what, what is fair when you get back. And then he hired some at the 11th hour working 12-hour days, at the 11th hour, and said, go out in the vineyard and work. He said, how come you hadn't worked? He said, nobody hired us. So they went out and worked. When they came back in, he started to repay, or he started to pay the workers. And he started with the ones who worked one hour. And he paid them the same amount of money as he paid all of them. 
And when I got down to the first ones, I grumbled and complained. It ain't fair. You made these people equal with us. He says, what's, what's not fair about it? Did you not agree to work for this wage? He said, yeah. Then take what's yours. If I want to be generous, that's fine. That's up to me. I'm, God is going to be that way. Ours is simply, again, we have agreed to be servants of God. Be used by him, however that is. And to trust him in doing that, that his will will be worked out. Uh, one of the beauties of that, God knows. God will use us. He opens the doors. Uh, ours is to go through those doors. And now sometimes, I've mentioned before, sometimes I'm wanting to go through a door that's over there that's not there. <laughs> but that's where I want to go through. And I don't want to go through the door that's already opened up. I need to go through the doors God opens up and not worry about, well, I'd like, I'd like to have a door there. And that's not the way it works. He, he supplies. He gives us the opportunities. And to use what we have, encouraging one another, helping one another, serving one another, and uh, doing his will. And biblical unity is not an obscure dream nor an elusive desire. It's possible. But what does it take? Takes working together, easy work. Takes hard work to work together. Uh, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Takes our dependence upon God, trusting Him in the life that we have. What we have coming up in the, the coming weeks, next week will be a devotional type of situation since it's Thanksgiving on Thursday. Uh, on the following Wednesday night, on the 29th, I will be uh, teaching a class on uh, the topic of disappointment. And then uh, starting on December 6th, a lot of what we're talking about has an application there. Some of the men are being asked to uh, do some teaching of a class here or there. And uh, <clears throat> some have already got the butterflies going. Uh, but... We're going to work on a series of topics, and uh, the elders, the deacons, and the preacher will be doing a lot of that teaching, and maybe we'll get one or two of the other guys who are willing to try to give that a work as well. Ours is to strive to work together. Ours is to strive to try to grow together. Ours is to strive to try to glorify God in all that we do. Again, we're grateful for your attendance here this evening. I know it may seem strange, but I'll let you go early. Would you bow with me as we have a word of prayer? Our loving and our gracious Father, we're blessed to be called your children. We're honored to be your children. Father, help us to also understand the tremendous responsibility that goes with being your child the obligations that are ours, the work that you set before us, the desire for us to learn to love each other, to grow together, to work in harmony with each other, to, for the purpose of showing the world that there is hope and that there can be the unity that is found in Christ. We thank you, Father, for Jesus who so freely gave his life for our sins. 
Thank you for the church that he has established and built on his blood. Help us to desire to learn more each day as we live, to continue to refresh ourselves in your word and the attitudes and the actions that we need to be involved in. Help us to be mindful of each other. And help us to always strive to encourage one another and uplift one another in our prayers. Be with us as we leave here this evening. Be with us down through our lives and keep us close to your will, Father. Forgive us of our sins and help us to always turn to you for the need that we have and to know that you give so freely and bountifully. Thank you for Jesus and it's in his name that we pray. Amen.